before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. My name is Ryan Sprague. When I was 12 years old, I saw something in the sky that I couldn't explain. And I've been searching for answers ever since. And now, I want you to join me on that search. From the Antica Podcast Network, this is the Somewhere in the Skies podcast. Every week, I bring you the latest news about UFOs, the paranormal, esoterica, and just plain weird. With audio docs, special guest interviews, debates, and on-site investigations, you'll never look at these topics the same. We'll agree, we'll argue, we'll laugh, we'll cry, but most importantly, we'll try to find answers. Available now on all major podcast outlets or at somewhereintheskies.com. Remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching Somewhere in the Skies. Welcome, five listeners, to season two. Are you ready to solve some mysteries with us? The stack is back. That's, man, that's really terrible. I love, I, yeah, it is, but I love saying <laughs> it. Um, That'll be our motto for season two. Here we are doing one of the most boring episodes no, of Unsolved Mysteries. No, it's going to be so good. It's not the most boring, I guess, but... I was a little disappointed there's only... We each only get to do one mystery. Yeah, What's I feel that? like That's someone in a boardroom somewhere editing this for Amazon was like, what would be a great mystery to start off season two? And they all settled on Roswell. And I don't know. It may just be because we did the Alien Autopsy episode for Patreon that I wasn't super into... Watching yeah. something else about Roswell? Maybe that wasn't the greatest idea, because now I realize most of you haven't listened to it, but... Yeah, that's the thing, is that most people have not listened to our Patreon episode <laughs> about Alien Autopsy. If you didn't, we did an entire episode on the 90s Fox TV special, Alien Autopsy, fact or fiction. Oh, it was fiction. And it was way fiction, it was super turns out. Fiction. The premise is that there was these supposed alien bodies recovered from the UFO crash at Roswell, and they did... An autopsy. An auto- a video surfaced a of an autopsy. autopsy of one of the aliens. A very fake looking Where they alien. peeled off part of one of their eyeballs. Yeah, it was super fake. But everyone thought it was real until they realized it wasn't. <laughs> um, so we talked a lot about Roswell already. And we're going to do our best to cover this Unsolved Mysteries Roswell segment. Whoops. But before we get to that, do we have any updates? Yeah, I want to say congratulations to Jaina. I don't know if she's listening. Friend but of the pod. Our, friend of us. Our friend Jana got married yesterday, so congratulations to her. We went to the reception, and it was a very nice reception. Jana looked into my soul, <laughs> and she said... What would Liz want? What would Liz want when it's like 10 p.m.? She's got a gin and tonic in her. <laughs> Keep in mind, she's already had Chinese food earlier. Oh, yeah, and those delicious mango smoothies we had at that oh, Chinese restaurant. Oh, my uh, God. Yesterday was a great day. I... You know, they bring out some apps, and I lift up one of those gigantic silver serving dish things What's with a cover, here? and it's just full of a seemingly limitless supply of hot pretzels. And cheese. And I don't think I've ever been so excited to see anything in my life. Liz comes, we're, so we're sitting in this balcony. We're on the watching, introvert balcony. Just kind of watching the party. everyone. It was nice up there. Um and Liz comes bounding up the stairs with a plate full of soft pretzels. Those pretzels were delicious, too. One, they were buttery. One plate of pretzels, one plate of just liquid cheese. <laughs> like, look what I found, guys. We were so excited this to get the those pretzels. This is the best wedding ever. So congratulations to her. And if you are planning a wedding. Listen, soft pretzels at the end of the night. Soft pretzels, man. Apparently, that's a thing to have like a snack at the end of your night, which yeah. is very nice because you've been drinking all night. It's been a while since dinner. It's 11, maybe later. And you just want a snack and then out comes the soft pretzels. <laughs> you just want to eat four soft pretzels. <laughs> it was amazing. Yes. Yeah. So congratulations, Jaina. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Dude, let's see. Oh, I wanted to mention listener Christy yes! from Canada who has sent us some some a ton of canadian snacks it's the best package ever i am so excited honestly listeners who didn't send us a big box of snacks <laughs> think about yourselves <laughs> not only did christy send us a big box of snacks but christy sent us a magic rock yeah from the lake near where they live i was sitting up in the window over us right now and a sticker of robert stack that says i give this parcel five <laughs> out of five robert stacks <laughs> so we got ketchup chips we got those all dressed chips 
that were delicious. The cheesies. I am obsessed with the cheesies. Liz really likes the cheesies. We haven't broken into the chocolate yet, but we have a stack of chocolate bars over on. I'm just looking at them now, really wanting to eat them. Um, yeah, I can't thank Christy enough. That's so awesome. Yeah, really just send cool. us a package. Thank you so much. Yes. Forget the Patreon money. Honestly, I've been more excited about these snacks. Yeah, we're in we're in this for the snacks. Than so. anything else. I can't even believe that we have fans who want to send us things. That's, that's weird. It blows my mind. It's so weird thank and you great. So much. Thank you. I'll post Christy. a picture of our little snack care our package yeah. on Instagram pre us digging in and eating it all because yeah. yeah, we've been munching on them this morning. We actually had to put them in the kitchen so that we would not be tempted to eat them on the podcast. <laughs> All you would hear would be crunching us eating some cheesies. So. Yeah, that would be pretty bad. That would be a bad podcast. Yeah, people would not like that. We Nothing are... people like more than eating into the microphone yum, on the podcast. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that all we have for updates? I think so. I mean, we're in a we're in a freshly painted podcast room. The podcast room looks really nice. You might would you have... call this coral? Is that yeah, the color? Yeah, I would say this was a coral. This is repainted podcast. We're calling this podcast studio, even though it's actually Liz's dining room. The thing is, no one eats in here. Well, yeah, it's... everyone eats in their couches these days, right? I mean, I do. I mean, so... That's right. You... I mean, yes. Would a realtor tell you that this was the dining room, the room right off the kitchen? Yeah, probably. But Actually, it's a podcast studio. It's, so what happens in here much more regularly is podcast. <laughs> so this is now the podcast room. Yeah, we just have to sit at a kitchen table to do it. <laughs> like true professionals. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it smells a little painty in here. It looks really nice. We might get a little high on paint fumes. Yeah, well, I'll just make the podcast better. I probably got a stomach full of cheesies, and we're <laughs> flying high on paint fumes. fumes. Woo! <laughs> Season two. Whoa! Here, here we go. go. Here we go. If you one last update, if you we mentioned Patreon already, we just released on Friday, so two days ago, our Patreon episode for March, which was really Ooh. fun, and it was all about ghosts. We watched sightings. The Ghost Report. The Ghost Report, which was another TV special. That had a shit ton of ghost stories in it. Lots of ghost stories. So if you like a ghost story. some big mustaches and some big hair. Yeah. So you have to give us, you know, a dollar. A dollar a month. Any Any donation gets you a bonus episode a month. Next month we are doing that. Deadly Women. Deadly Women. Deadly delinquents. I can't so, wait. This I'm super excited. And then I think the following month, we got some recommendations for Mothman documentaries. Yes. I think we're going to do something about Mothman. I know very little about Mothman, so... Same, but it Because I literally asked Samantha just randomly last night at dinner, so what's Mothman's deal? <laughs> really? I could, didn't have an answer. I don't, like, I don't actually so what? know. He's just a big moth? Like what? It, so we'll be, we have a lot to learn. Yes. So if you're interested in that bonus content... Subscribe and support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. Let's jump right into these mysteries now. You've got the first I'm one. I really am too. It's kind of a bummer we have to start season two off with a lost love, but what? here we go. You know what? This is kind of a sweet lost love. It, it is sweet. It's not a romantic lost love, so maybe Samantha friend. will like it more. <laughs> Everyone it, knows I don't like a romance. There's no romance to it. We're going back to the Vietnam War, listeners. Think back. You... Probably weren't alive, but maybe you were. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you're my parents. So <laughs> then you then you were. Shout out Liz's parents. Yeah, shout out to my parents. In we're going back to 1965. This is the case of Jim Mead, and he was seeking his nurse. So when he was 18, he put his college plans on hold to sign up for the war and became an army helicopter pilot. Uh, which is a very dangerous position, and they were much like more likely to be injured or killed in battle yeah. than even um, normal soldiers. He ended up serving there for only three months as he was transporting troops to and from missions. He was shot down twice and survived, but then on May 8th, 1967, he was shot down a third time and was severely injured and was not able to go back. Getting shut down in a plane three times is crazy. I, I, uh, yikes. No, thank you. Sounds terrible Awful. in every yeah. way. And also, his skull was fractured. He, ugh. The, the, the third time, right? Yes. The first two times, it seems like his injuries were pretty minimal. Minimal? Minimal, yeah. But, um, the third time, he was very severely injured. They don't go into, like, the full extent of his injuries, but he had a, a skull fracture from a helicopter blade and oh my god 
When they show the reenactment, his entire body is bandaged. He's in a coma. Mm -hmm. He, even when he wakes up from a coma, he can't speak. He has to like relearn how to walk and do just daily activities. Yeah. So he was, he was very severely injured. Well, his family, this is like so unfortunate. His family gets a telegram that just says he's severely ill. Oh. It's like with no other details. So they show up at the hospital to like find him and they're like, oh, we don't have a room for Jim yet. So you'll just have to wait. And they're like obviously like very anxious and impatient to see him. So they are like pacing around and they see a soldier on a gurney who is like writhing in pain and totally covered in bandages. And they're like, oh, we feel bad for this guy. Well, it turns out that's their son. I know. It was awful. And the hospital hadn't told them that. So when they when they finally like oh you're, we found a hospital room for your son he's in there they're like oh my god it's that guy that was just in the hallway writhing in pain so he was in a coma at first but he was making what they called animal like sounds which wasn't particularly nice and was like flailing and the doctor sort of warned his family like prepare for the worst like he might not really recover from this. Um, they put what I thought was cool was that they ended up moving him into a section of the hospital with other vets and while he was in a coma. And they told them, like, could you please talk to him as if he can hear you? We're not sure if he can or not. So the, in the reenactment, they show like people like playing cards with him yeah. and like <laughs> coming by his bed just to like chat because they understood what he had gone through and they wanted to help him get out of his coma. I think he was in a coma for like four weeks. Oh, no, sorry, 10 weeks. That's a long time That's to be in a, a coma. long time. He was in a coma for 10 weeks, but when he forgot, he had forgotten the first 19 years of his life. Isn't that crazy? He was unable to walk, and he began to recover with the help of an army physical therapist named Lieutenant Betty Stevens. And so the lost love is he's trying to find Lieutenant Stevens. Because she who, helped him so much in his recovery. Yeah, and I think that's really nice because I'm sure... That's can be thankless work sometimes. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he really credited her with putting him on this path to a full recovery. Yeah. In the reenactment, they show instances where he really wanted to give up because he was really struggling to do basic things like crawling across the floor. And she would get down on her hands and knees and crawl next to him and encourage him to keep trying and keep going. And he says basically that if it hadn't been for her, that I may have just given up. Yeah, because everything was so frustrating and they had a reenactment where she like comes to his bed where he can't even speak and is just crying because he doesn't know what to do. And she's like, I know this is horrible, but like every day it's going to get better and blah, blah, blah. So he really credited her with like putting him onto the path to full recovery. And they show, you know, we see him in the 80s present and he's become a psychiatrist i think yeah, he was super successful because he made a full recovery i also really like the part of the reenactment where he said one of the hardest days was when two he was trying to crawl across the ground so that was where he had to start and those two other people patients were laughing at him and she got up and yelled at them and made them leave she like got in their faces and was like how dare you blah 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 right he humiliated them he was injured serving our country yeah and he's trying to do things that are super easy for you why don't you just get out go fuck yourselves basically yeah. and i thought that was really he great was like oh that meant so much to me and i was like yeah go lieutenant stevens yeah, yeah. she's going around screaming at patients and <laughs> and giving she jim seemed, here pep talks and yeah, she, she clearly awesome. she put a lot I mean, physical therapy is an an important job, but I feel like she sort of went above and beyond right. even what she needed to do. Yeah, to make sure that that Jim got better, and even just from like my limited personal experience, like a good physical therapist really does make a huge difference. Yeah, and especially if can you imagine how hard it must be to relearn how to walk? He had to relearn how to talk. He had to relearn how to like, like hold a spoon feed himself. Yeah, yeah. It uh, uh, really really hard, and. Surely really frustrating. So at some point, she was could only work with him for like an hour a day. Obviously, she had other patients. Yep. So they um, end up sending him home with his family who were working with him 12 hours a day. 
It's insane. And I was like, let the guy watch some TV. 12 hours a day. That's nuts. But I'm sure that helped him get better faster. I think so. So and that's very, that's a lot of dedication too. Yeah. From his family. Yeah. To put in that much time to help him recover. Uh, da, 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 edit that out. <laughs> okay. So a year after they met, Lieutenant Stamets and Jim had to say goodbye. She was leaving the army. She had not at that point seen him walk on his own, which was one of the reasons that Jim wanted to find her. Yep. And he wanted to thank, mostly he wanted to thank her for all of her help. And Robert Stack sort of hilariously phrased it as the simple but elegant words, thank you. Oh, Robert Stack. (laughs) Yes. Which really nice it is super nice i wish more people thought about like who had helped them and gave them just like yeah a sincere thanks well and if you can imagine how many people she's helped as a nurse over the years yeah and how many of them she leave before she knows where they end up and she probably has touched their lives and you know for whatever reason they can't all get back in touch with her so i thought it was super nice and he says something about how like i'm not vain enough to think that she remembers me because she has had a ton of patience but obviously i remember her and she's really important to me so unsolved mysteries gets involved works its magic (laughs) yes how will jim find lieutenant karen (laughs) steven here's the problem uh jim I mean, I realized the guy had a skull fracture. He was looking for a Betty Stevens. Yeah. That's... Turns out... That's not her name. Her name is Karen. (laughs) Her name is Karen. (laughs) So I wonder why you couldn't find her. (laughs) But it turned out that Karen was sitting down with her family to watch an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, recognizes Jim even from the, like, present day shot, and was like, oh, yeah, I used to treat that guy. And then they're like, we're looking for Lieutenant Stevens. And she goes, oh, well, this is me. about me. <laughs> Wait, which, about Betty? Which is such a surreal experience Could if you, you were like sitting down to watch television and then you're like, oh, that's weird. This TV show is about me and how great I am. <laughs> it's a nice surprise. It's a nice surprise. It's certainly better than, oh, this TV show is about me and how awful I am. <laughs> then, oh, how the cops are coming for me right now, which is usually what happens Look with people. you, Jerry Strickland. You sit down to watch TV, realize Unsolved Mysteries is about them. Oh, oh crap. No. My That's neighbors are going to turn me in. Everyone hates me. <laughs> but instead, this woman went, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. He was nice. Yeah, my name's not Betty. That's probably didn't help him find me. <laughs> also, she had gotten married and changed her name, but also her, her name's not Betty. I mean, there's that. But so they, you know, Unsolved Mysteries reunites them. They have a a little, I don't know. A hug. It was conference. super sweet. She has a... I mean, you see this woman and you go, yep, that woman was a physical therapist. She just has like a, a look of like a, a friendly but no nonsense nurse. Yeah. And she gives us him this hug where she gives him this like pat on the back <laughs> that's like, I don't, I can't explain it, but I was just like, yeah, that is the hug of someone in the medical field yes. where it's just like, do do do, do do do. Good for you, but we're also done hugging. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I loved her. Yeah, she seems really cool. Uh, he apparently wrote a book about his experiences, if anybody wants to read it. It's called Making Your Own Reality, A Survival Story. I'm sure oh. it's very motivational. Yeah. Um, so they were reunited in 1989. Is that a picture you drew of his tie? I'm looking no. at your notes. Is that for the next the This next is mystery? actually Robert Stack's oh. tie, <laughs> and I just wanted to make sure that I mentioned in the fashion segment that it's terrible. <laughs> I so. don't remember that, but it, has, it had polka dots? It's like a... It's like an 80s geometric, oh, like in maroon. I'm surprised I didn't remember that. Um, also, I wanted—I forgot to mention that we see Robert Stack in Arlington Cemetery because they have a section for Vietnam nurses that died in combat. So I that was really nice. Yeah, that was a cool uh, exterior shot and kind of a reminder of people that I don't know that don't we think a about a lot. Yeah, it's it's like a sweet little story. There's not a ton to it though, like. Good job, Karen. I'm glad she was so dedicated to work, and I'm glad Jim pulled through. And it's a very uplifting, sweet story. Yes, it totally is. But there's not a ton to it. That's it. it. I think we talked about it. (laughs) So we can talk about Roswell next. Oh, okay. So, well, where to begin? We can begin with Robert Stack in front of an aircraft hangar at night. Yeah, he looks good in front of an aircraft hangar. Classic unsolved mysteries moment. We kind of zoom in on Robert Stack. He's in the khaki trench coat. He puts his hands in his pockets. It's very well lit. Yep. 
It's very well, like, the shots are very well composed. Like, they knew what they were doing. It's very well done. He tells us that something strange happened here at Roswell. Something that cannot easily be dismissed. But you can tell from his face, he's like, also, it's bullshit. Because he doesn't believe it. (laughs) Speaking of it's bullshit, I wanted to shout out our friend Rob Christopherson over at the Our Strange Skies podcast. He sent us some information about Roswell. It's He's of the opinion, I believe, that there was no alien crash landing at Roswell, which surprised me for someone who runs a you <laughs> a paranormal alien podcast. Yeah, not a skeptic in terms of UFOs, just yeah. in this case. In this case. And he sent me some articles, and I don't remember. We could post them maybe on Twitter or something. Um, someone who had written a couple books about Roswell and is also of the opinion, after doing extensive research, that there was no... See, that's interesting no because... UFO crash at Roswell. We found out last year that the government does have alien alloys. Yes. Uh, and has been hiding evidence of UFOs. And there's like a whole secret UFO department in the Pentagon, mm-hmm. just like the X-Files told us there was. I so I was sort of like, well, I guess something maybe did crash at Roswell then. And that's how we got these alloys. Right. But it seems like, and I don't know that this is true for the entire you know UFO paranormal research. I'm not even sure what to call the community. But this guy, and I looked, I feel like I looked him up. Nick Redfern wrote several, that's a fake name. several books, including what? Body Snatchers in the Desert and the Roswell UFO Conspiracy. Conspiracy. You can find these articles at mysteriousuniverse.org. And um, I thought the articles were really interesting. Clearly, he wants you to buy his books because he doesn't go into a lot of detail. But um, he says, I am far from convinced that alien creatures crashed and died outside of Roswell, New Mexico in the early part of July 1947. All of the data I have uncovered points in the direction of top secret controversial experiments involving high altitude balloons and human guinea pigs. Which I, I'm like, whoa, that is craziness. He doesn't go into a lot of details in his article, again, because I think he wants you to buy his books. But yeah, I don't know. We'll, I guess, talk more about Talk about, let's, let's go through what Unsolved Mysteries says and see if we think it's more likely that it's actually a hu- an experiment with humans. Yes. Uh, so we go back to July 2nd, 1947. A violent electrical storm sweeps over the desert plains of south central New Mexico. And we see a man in, in his kitchen. Mac? Um, yes, Mac. He has an impressive mustache. It, was it my pick? It sure was. Did you draw it? Yes, you did. Here he is with his pipe. <laughs> it's so bushy. Like, it's, it's so bushy that it, like, sticks out from his yeah, face. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bushy Western mustache that's, that's sort of gone rogue. <laughs> it really has gone rogue. I put MVM question mark, so I think he's my pick. Yeah, as he's well. my pick for sure. Uh, yeah, very bushy, very full is what I wrote down. This <laughs> this is Mac Brazel, 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 Brazel. I think he is in the rem- in a remote. Ugh. He is in his remote ranch house, waiting out the storm. And smoking his pipe. Yeah, he had died by this point, but Mac's neighbor, Loretta Proctor, says that Mac was an old-time cowboy, that he was very serious, and that if he told you something, you could depend on it. And he did. He seemed kind of like a grizzled old cowboy. Yeah. Living on his ranch. Not a guy that was, like, looking for UFOs. No. This is just a guy minding his own business, trying to feed his cattle and whatever. Next, we get a pretty good reenactment of the UFO crash. Complete with, like, I don't even know what to, how to describe those sounds. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, zippy, crashy sounds? <laughs> zippy, crashy sounds. <laughs> and yes. a flash of light. Yes. <laughs> Robert Stack tells us that apparently Mac heard a clap of thunder that sounded different somehow. Uh, Kevin D. Randall, who is only described as a writer, tells us that Mac went out riding the range the next day in search of good grass for his cattle when he found the debris field spread out near his ranch house. Uh, something had clearly crashed the night before, and it had broken up, but it had broken up beyond identification. They estimate that the debris field was three quarters of a mile long and two to three hundred feet wide. Kevin Randall said that scattered across the field was material that, quote, we refuse to call metal because the descriptions refuse! of it are more like plastic. Pieces of the material were described as being three to four feet long, but uh, as light have, as a feather. They didn't have plastic then, Samantha. No. Also, this woman was like, it was like wood, but it wouldn't whittle. <laughs> that was her proof. It was very strange. It was from aliens. 
the were... unwhittle whittle ability. Oh no. That's how you know that it's alien material <laughs> if you can't whittle it. <laughs> there were metal like beams that were flexible but very strong. Robert Stack says that some of the metal has had unusual tensile properties. And this is interesting because the Roswell witnesses in the alien autopsy video said things very similar. Yes. And the reenactment shows Mac crumple a piece of it in his hand, but when he opens his hand, it goes back to normal, which is exactly, almost word for word, what one of the Roswell witnesses said. Yes. That when you crumpled it in your hand it and opened your makes hand, it seem kind of believable to it me. would go I gotta say. back to normal. I know. I think it's interesting. Later that day, Mac went to visit Loretta and her husband. Loretta says... I wish my name was Loretta. I know. Such a good name. Such a good There's name. There's a lot of good, like, southwestern cowboy names in this. I wish She was married Loretta. to Flo- a man named Floyd. Of course she was. Because of course she was. Loretta says, and this is hilarious, that for Mac, he was excited. <laughs> so this is clearly not a guy. We talked about this in the alien autopsy video, too. Like, these people don't get excited easily. Yeah, these are cold, stoic people. You're talking about army people and ranch also people. ranch people. They don't get excited about anything. No, and these people are, like, convinced they found a crashed UFO. It's like, like, for Mac, he almost cracked a smile. <laughs> pretty much. Telling us that he had found this weird metal. Yeah. These stories sound a lot like the different eyewitness accounts that we heard in that special. I know. It's shockingly similar. He showed them a piece of the material, and here, you know, when they they tried to burn it, it wouldn't burn. Also what they said in Alien Autopsy. They tried to whittle it, but they couldn't cut it. Um, <laughs> That's my favorite. Know, just, it wouldn't whittle. It's hilarious. Uh, Loretta said that today she would have described it as plastic, but back then they didn't have plastic. Uh, next, Mac reported his discovery to the sheriff, who informed the nearby Roswell Army base. That afternoon, Mac led two Army intelligence officers to the crash site. Do you just picture your husband this entire time? No, because of the mustache. Because of the mustache. I just really just picture the mustache. Like <laughs> a is, sentient mustache. Like it, it has a mind of its own. <laughs> Mac and then his mustache. <laughs> One no, of- I mean, this is just like, he just seems like that guy that's like out all on the to, land all he wants to do is tend to his cattle yeah he doesn't really like people he's not going after ufos he's like he's gonna sit on his porch and whittle something maybe but he's not i think they had to talk him into reporting it to the sheriff too he was just not that kind of guy that made waves or probably didn't really like the sheriff probably you know <laughs> he probably just wanted to stay on his land and do whatever he wanted you uh, know yeah Exactly. Speaking of the sheriff, one of the officers was Major Jesse Marcel Sr., who was an experienced combat pilot and who investigated air accidents in, in, in during peacetime. Despite his experience, Marcel was unable to determine what kind of craft it was. He died in 1982, but before his death, he gave an interview about UFOs to a documentary film crew. They show part of the interview, and he basically describes the crash site the same way everyone else does. And then he says that they proceeded to pick up the parts of the aircraft. And again, he says that he tried to bend it, and it wouldn't bend. He tried to burn it, and it wouldn't burn. They even tried to hit it with did, a huge sledgehammer. Did he and it try to whittle dent. it, though? He did not try to whittle it. But, oh. um, but he says that most <laughs> of the pieces weren't any thicker than tinfoil, so it was strange that they couldn't cut it or dent it. That night, Marcel headed back to Roswell with his car full of crash debris. On his way to the base, he stopped by his home. He wanted to show his family what he had found. We talked about this in the alien autopsy. And I don't know if it's his son, because they interview his son in this episode. And I don't know if it's the same guy who said his father woke him up in the middle yeah. of the night um, in the alien autopsy video. I wasn't sure about that either. Video, But people were taking this debris home and waking up their families in the middle of the night to show them. And again, these are stoic army men. Like, they're waking up their family to excitedly show them this debris and how weird it is. Someone, and this was a woman, and I don't think we hear from her in Unsolved Mysteries, but she was like, my dad didn't get excited about anything. He he was not going to wake me up at 2 a.m. to show me a weather balloon. No. Like, and I think that's a really good point. Me too. Because... If these are army people, if it really was a weather balloon, wouldn't they know that? And I think... And it wouldn't do these things. And I think it was Marcel, because he was in Alien Autopsy, and I'm pretty sure it was in that show, where he said, I've seen... 
I investigate aircraft accidents. Like I've seen every type right. of aircraft Debris. we have. And this was not something we have. So I guess you could argue that the government maybe can have experimental technology that this guy hasn't seen but before. But some of these people work for the army. Yeah, exactly. And he knows what kind of technology we have. I don't know. It seems realistic to me. It seems it seems Look, plausible. I to me. thought this was all nonsense. <laughs> I did. But where do these alloys come from? Exactly. So now I can't be the skeptical bitch that I once was. <laughs> I have to go, well, maybe. Yeah. I, I, the, the eyewitnesses' stories are very consistent, I have they to are. say. They're very consistent. And they're from people that I don't see why they would lie. No. What would they have to gain? No people clue. thinking they're nuts? Like, that is what? Pretty much. Yeah, these are the, also the type of people that would get ridiculed, I'm sure, for claiming that they saw a UFO. Yeah, and an alien body. I don't. Like, think they're not going to do that, that unless that. they really believe it. So I interesting. I find them believable. So Marcel and his son look at all of this debris. The most remarkable piece was um, an eye beam with strange geometric metric writing embossed onto it in violet. Which... Does that sound like the army would do that? Put something, write something in violet? No, Probably it not. doesn't. So over the years, they often talked about what they saw that night, and they came to the conclusion that quote. It was not of earthly origin. His son is interviewed for the show. Next, we hear more about Roswell. It was home to the the 509th Bomb Squad, the Air Force's sole atomic bomb group at the time. It was a closed base, and personnel stationed there required a high security clearance. It is believed that the following morning, some of the pieces of the craft were flown to Wright Field near Dayton, Ohio, That same morning, Colonel William Blanchard, the commanding officer, made a crucial decision. He went public with the story of the discovery. I'm sure I'm pretty sure we hear from the same public information officer who was interviewed for Alien Autopsy. So he says that Blanchard ordered him his name is his last name is Hot, Lieutenant Walter Hot, to put out a press release telling the country that the army had found a crashed flying saucer. Which, Which I don't, is very I don't, strange. I don't understand that at all. Yeah, why the army would say that. I don't understand if they did or if they didn't why they would say that. No clue. The press release read in part, The many rumors regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the intelligence the office of the disc. 509th Bomb Squadron was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of a local rancher. That's so weird that the government would say, We found a flying disc. Yeah. I don't know. The same day that Hot took the press released in the media, an engineer... Okay, this part is is weird. For the Soil Conservation Service made another remarkable discovery. Barney Barnett of Socorro, New Mexico, who had sadly passed away by this time, was described by his friend Vern, of course, (laughs) as a real straightforward kind of guy. He wouldn't tell you a story out of color or nothing, is what Vern said. Aww. And this is why Vern Vern. was surprised when Barney told him about a crashed flying saucer. So Barney said that he came upon an oval-shaped object in the middle of the day. The reenactment of this, I put it on our Instagram story. It is something else. (laughs) I love his hat. He's wearing like a Dora the Explorer hat. (laughs) He sure is. He's really out to discover things. He's got his little pickaxe. I don't know what someone from the Soil Conservation Service does, but he's out there squinting he's at the slang He's getting some soil samples, I assume, and then it's like, I guess. aliens? I know. So it was in the middle of the day, it had crashed and broken open, and there were four beings laying around on the ground. And According to Vern... This reenactment is rough. Yeah, this... <laughs> These are the fakiest, <laughs> fake, 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 fake aliens. I also aliens. put them. Listen, follow us on Instagram. I will oftentimes put these hilarious reenactments in our Instagram story. Oh, Oof. my God. Also, I hope Unsolved Mysteries gifts, if you're listening, we need a gif of these fake aliens. They are. They're hilariously fake. Kind of hideously fake also. Yes. Are they know. made of just styrofoam and house paint? I think so. They're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. I mean, Robbie Stacky would be a huge improvement over these aliens. He really would. So according to Vern, Barney described them as having large, out-of-proportion heads. They were also wearing clothing that looked a little bit different. Oh, well, they must be aliens then. I also thought Vern must originally be from Minnesota. Because that's how he The way he describes things. They were different. Yeah. (laughs) They're 
from outer space. <laughs> Come on, Vern. They were different. It was a little, it was a little unusual for my taste. But <laughs> um, oh, they were also from another galaxy. Yeah, you know, I mean, minor detail. Barney stumbled upon the wreckage at the same time that a group of nearby archaeology students also found it. So there were apparently a lot of witnesses to this. The military had apparently found the crash site while doing an aerial search, but they arrived after Barney and the students. And then we're like, oh, to fuck. secure the area. Yeah, you see a kind of a funny reenactment of these very serious army men rolling in this convoy of vehicles. And I said on Instagram that it looks like the fun police is rolling yeah, up to kind like, of break up the party. Nope. That's exactly what they did. They showed up and they were like, all right, folks, listen, you, you didn't, didn't see, see anything. You didn't see anything. Also, never speak of this. Also, yeah. we're coming to kill you and your family if you do. Yeah, the army immediately made the group leave and allegedly warned them not to tell anyone about what they had seen. So they were threatened. Who were those archaeology students? No one knows. No one knows. Did they ever say anything? Probably not. Did the army kill them all? <sighs> Maybe. Maybe. They were... I mean, probably not, Disappeared. But. The next day, newspapers across America published stories about the supposed crashed UFO. But then, Brigadier General Roger Ramey, who was the ranking commander of the 8th Army Air Force at Fort Worth, issued a new press release stating that the material recovered in New Mexico was actually the wreckage of a U.S. Army weather balloon. Mm-hmm. But no one who witnessed the Roswell crash debris believes this. Loretta's husband, Floyd, purportedly saw Max surrounded by Air Force people. They walked right past him, refused to speak to him. They assumed that he was in trouble based on the look on his face and <laughs> these guys escorting him into a vehicle. Uh-oh. From that day on, Mac would never talk about it, except to say that if he ever found something else, he wouldn't report it. So Ooh. it sounds like he didn't was... work out well for Mac. Yeah. Sorry, Mac. I know. So then they talk about this MJ-12 memo that was mailed to the in the 80s anonymously to a UFO researcher. And I'm going to read part of this memo. Okay. I don't they didn't talk a lot about about it. Just that it showed up. The memo says in part on 07 July 1947, a secret operation was begun to assure the recovery of the wreckage. Dot, dot, dot. Aerial reconnaissance discovered that four small human-like beings had apparently ejected from the crash. Dot, dot, dot. About two miles east of the wreckage site. All four were dead. Dot, dot, dot. Civilian and military witnesses in the area were debriefed and news reporters were given the effective cover story that the object had been a misguided weather balloon. I don't know about this memo. I feel like does the when the army is covering the shit up, do they send out memos that literally said, "Oh, about the cover up, this is what we did." <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know how we're currently in the process of a cover up, where here's the scoop, here's the cover story we gave the media. I don't know. Maybe it's real. It was sent anonymously to this UFO researcher. There's probably more to the story. Unsolved Mysteries doesn't really go into it. I'm not it. sure I believe there was a UFO crash, but I really don't believe it was a weather balloon. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It, I just... Maybe I just, it was something else they were experimenting with. Maybe we should learn more about these human experiments. I kind of... But... Wouldn't people just know they were humans, though? Why would they think they were aliens? I don't know. Maybe the government would rather people spread rumors about dead aliens than dead human subjects of experiments well yeah sure they don't want to admit they're killing people i would believe that but i just feel like the witnesses would go oh those are humans yeah would you if unless you, they were threatened to the extent that they really believe the government would kill them so they said they were aliens maybe i don't i have no clue that's weird i mean the u.s government has definitely experimented on people yes. but i don't get this experiment <laughs> I'm sure there's more to it. Maybe if we knew more about it. For what? Maybe if we knew more about it, it would make more sense. But maybe it's that I would rather believe that it was a crashed UFO than the government killing people. I just kind of find the eyewitness testimony believable. I kind of do too. So if there are alien alloys, if I have to accept that that is a fact, apparently, then why would this not be true? I don't know. We do get another account of a witness. Briefly, we get the account of the only other person besides Barney who has ever admitted to seeing the alien bodies. His name was Oliver Henderson, also known as Pappy. According to his wife, um, he was entrusted with many of the country's top secrets. And he was so trustworthy that it was 34 years until he told her what final, until he finally told her what happened that night. 
Pappy was the man who piloted the plane that took the first pieces of the wreckage out of Roswell. Two years before he died, he told his wife that in spite of the military's denials, the Roswell incident really happened. And he describes the bodies as small with large heads and sunken slanted eyes. Their clothing was material unlike anything he had ever seen before. And she really believed that her husband was a man of integrity and another one of those kind of grizzled, stoic military types who was not likely to make up a story about aliens. Yeah. So That's what, I don't know. It is, the, the accounts are really believable to me. And you often hear people who have family in the military with high military security clearance say... That, you know, my uncle will get really drunk at a wedding and he won't go into details, but he'll say things like the government knows, like the government knows that there's alien, you know, things like that. Like I've heard that story a lot and it really does seem like these are the type of people that don't go chasing UFOs. No. And if they all believe that it's real, I don't know. I'm, I'm tempted to believe them. I guess there is that Pentagon office. Yeah. They know. Now, clearly, we haven't done the extensive research that some of these no, ufologists. We definitely have not. Do they call themselves ufologists yet, or ufologists? Ufologists. I'm just like looking around because I don't know. <laughs> I have no, tell us, Rob. Uh, how do you pronounce that? But I mean, clearly, these people have dedicated their lives to researching these things. But I don't know. I'm usually I'm so skeptical, but when it comes to aliens, I've become less less skeptical. I just don't think we can be that skeptical anymore. Yeah, because. It seems like there's Yeah, there seems like there's proof, I guess. But the world's so weird, we don't even care. Yeah. I mean, that's (laughs) true. It's it's true, I think, that we have, like, our world has a lot of, I mean, it always has a lot of problems. But in particular, I feel like we're in a tumultuous time. And it's kind of like, we have so many immediate problems that it's like yeah thinking about aliens aliens. is like, I mean, we got to survive. It's interesting, but it's, there's more immediately, immediate concerns. So we're kind of just like, whatever. But. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about Roswell as a as a story? Do you find it interesting? I was just thinking about how we were saying, like, oh, I don't really want to talk about this one. And yet I'm planning to decorate my bathroom in a Roswell theme. <laughs> so That's true. I saw your paint swatches on the wall. That doesn't really make sense. But, um, you know, one of my great regrets in life is not going to the UFO museum. At Roswell? Yeah. Because you lived in New Mexico for a time. Yeah, but it was still far away, and I just never made it there. So I've now, seen photos. It looks like quite the place. It's, I mean, it's not like a high quality museum. <laughs> it looks like more of a kitschy paradise. But now I'm sad I didn't go for that reason. Maybe we'll have to take a trip. My friend Nicole sent me a postcard from there. And that's when I decided I'm going to redecorate my bathroom based on this postcard. Which was before <laughs> we even started this podcast. I just still haven't done it yet. Yeah, I'm definitely less skeptical than I used to be. I used to just think it was nonsense. And now I'm sort of believing the eyewitnesses. I definitely, shouldn't we believe just people over the government? Probably. Yes. I do. So I'm not, you know, I'm on, I feel like I'm on the fence about whether or not it was a UFO, but I do believe the witnesses when they say that they saw something not of this world. Yeah. Not, not, you know, they did not see a weather balloon, I don't think. Random, different people with high security clearance took home this metal that you could like crush and not burn and all this weird stuff that seems to be. I 100% believe them when they say that we couldn't cut it, we couldn't burn it, we couldn't bend it, we couldn't whittle it. (laughs) And so that either means that it's something the government is experimenting with or it's an alien Which, why won't they share that with us? I have no idea. I'm sure we could all use that weird metal for something. the, The part about there not being any machines, like we don't know what kind of technology aliens might have. Like maybe they don't need machines to transport themselves. Who knows? We, there's, Probably creatures out there that we can't even fathom because it's so outside of the realm of what we've yes. experienced that how do we know that just because we only saw pieces of what looks like tinfoil that it couldn't have been a flying saucer? Right. I don't know. It seems like it we hurts, have no way of knowing. My brain, the yeah, more I really. Think about it. We have no way of knowing because what kind of like technology they might have. Anything could be possible, have. really. Yeah. It's just like the fact that if Bigfoot is a ghost, then anything is possible. <laughs> so, and we know Bigfoot is a ghost. And then we know Bigfoot is a ghost. So if if an alien really crashed at Roswell, it's like, well, who's to say then? Right. I don't know. Who's to say? Who's to say? So listeners, tell us what you think. If it was, yeah. were there actually aliens at Roswell? The weird part, and we were kind of discussing this briefly before we started recording, is this separate 
UFO crash yeah, that Barney what, found? What was that? Like, what is up with that? Like, it seems like the Roswell crash was the one at Max Ranch. Right. And then there was the separate... Like where they got the UFO. Where they got the alien body, supposedly. I'm a little bit confused. I'm a bit confused about where... Like, is that all considered the Roswell incident? Yeah, I don't know. Because for some reason, and I don't know what I thought the bodies Roswell. were at the other one. Me too. That's what I thought. I thought the bodies were recovered there, but it seems like they weren't. Mac didn't say he saw bodies. Right. And there was I mean, people. I guess it's like how splattered out was the debris. Like, there could be debris in multiple sites. But it did seem like the craft that Barney saw it was, was just intact. A craft. So that it was, one. Mm, it was broken open. I kind of don't really believe that an part. intact craft with bodies strewn about. Why would the bodies be strewn about if the craft is intact? No clue. And why were they the fakest looking aliens you ever <laughs> saw in your life? Well, that's just because the prop department at Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> they really, they, they were a shoestring buddy. They were hung over that day and they <laughs> phoned that one in. Yeah. I'll tell you, Robert Stack didn't think it was true. No, Robert Stack. You could tell by the sparkle in his eye. (laughs) Uh, He looks good standing outside a hangar, but that's about it. Yeah. Do we have anything else to say about Roswell? I can't really think of anything. Me neither. I think we've talked about as much as we can about Roswell. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure someone's got a podcast just about Roswell, but I bet Rob does. Is it literally just Roswell? I don't know. Oh. Like every week, to, week after week, everyone's about Roswell. Roswell, I doubt Roswell. it. He doesn't. Roswell. He hates. He told me that he it's his least favorite UFO crash. Okay, so well, I doubt maybe he has one podcast about it, but I'm sure he doesn't talk about it every week. Roswell, Roswell, <laughs> Roswell. <laughs> maybe we could make a podcast just about Roswell. No, oh, no we definitely couldn't. Let's not. <laughs> we definitely couldn't. All right, so let's rate this episode. What did you so think about short. it as far as mysteriousness? I mean, I guess Roswell's mysterious. I have to give it a thumbs up for Roswell because I do think it's mysterious. Yeah. The first one wasn't mysterious at all, but no. it was a... It was mysterious in that he had her name wrong. Yeah, what was her name? That After he had a traumatic brain injury, so not mysterious. No, so but I am still a thumbs up because I think Roswell sure. is pretty mysterious. Yeah. There's a lot to think about. Reenactment. They were all right. They were okay until you see those alien dummies. Those were pretty bad. So I'm going to give it a thumbs pretty down bad. for that. Yeah, they were just okay. Fashion. I um, don't know. Other than Robert Stack, there wasn't nothing I kind of liked Mac's neighbor's fashion, which is some like <laughs> solid West Western wear. That's true. But uh, yeah, so sideways or thumbs I'm down. A, I'm not remarkable. Sideways. And yeah, Robert Stack's outfit. The khaki trench coat was good. It was a great way to start yes. season two. You noticed his awesome tie. Ooh, it was rough. It was, it was a very '80s businessman tie. I'm yeah. sure it was silk and expensive, but man, oh man, is that design bad? It's, yeah, it's not timeless. No. Mm-mm. Um. So an MVM, I think uh, the actor who Mac. plays Mac definitely Max gets MVM. Reenactor. Reenactor. <laughs> <laughs> definitely gets MVM. What do you rate this episode out of a possible five Robert Stacks? Okay, so you only get two mysteries. There's an update that's totally not needed. The update is so stupid at the beginning. It's very long. Yeah. Three? I was going to do two and a half. Yeah, I think that's I fair. I don't I do find Roswell interesting, but I didn't think this actually, episode did it justice. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think there there's interesting stuff to talk about, and it's not really in this episode no. so much. I wish they had a bit more eyewitnesses, which yep. I feel like are out there. Or, we saw them in Alien Autopsy. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I don't, I'm still confused about these two different crash sites. I yeah, feel they like they didn't could, go into a lot of detail, despite how long it was. It was most of the episode. They didn't give a lot of details. No. So I'm kind of not impressed with their handling of it. Me neither. So yeah, two and a half, I think is fair. Two and a half. All right. Our first recommendations. Of season two? Of season two. What do you got for us, Liz? Oh, I'm going to be you. And, <laughs> and I... recommend a book? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm also not only going to recommend a book, I'm going to recommend our book club book. Yes, we have book club today. This book was really good. I'm going to beat you to it and recommend Lady Killers by Tori Telfer. Yeah. Deadly Women Throughout History. I love this book. This might be my favorite book that we've read for book club so far. You get one chapter per female serial killer, which I feel like is just the right amount of information. Some of the books that we've read, I've learned. Exhaustive detail. I'm not entirely sure that true crime is my book genre yeah. because sometimes it's just a lot of information and it's more information than I need. 
Yeah. Where I'm like, I don't actually need to know what I can't digest it all. Every single neighbor child says about them <laughs> if it's not interesting, you know? Like right, exactly. It's like too exhaust it's like, yes, you did your research, but also I do not care. Yes. I'm gonna make people hate me and say that I felt like the stranger beside me just like went on forever. Yeah. I like the stranger beside me, but I agree with it's you. It's an interesting it's an interesting story to realize like, oh my like work friend is Ted Bundy. Right. But I don't know that that book needed to be that long. So anyway, I feel like one chapter per very interesting murderer is yeah. the right amount of info. And murderers that we don't often hear about. Yeah, it's it's an interesting to put them together by gender because the book has this thesis that people are so uncomfortable with the idea of female murderers that they kind of like make fun of them in the mm-hmm. short term and then in the long term like we don't want to think about it and we act like that never happens. Now statistically it is a lot less likely. There's a lot more male serial killers but we also talk about them a lot more. Right. Um and some of these cases are really interesting. So interesting. And you never hear about them. Yep. And you'll learn a lot about arsenic poisoning. <laughs> a lot. There's a ton of that. So be glad that's not readily available anymore. <laughs> Horrible way to die. Yes. Um, which was your favorite? Did you have a favorite murder case? I loved, and I, I loved them all. It's they're very interesting stories. I don't, did you listen to the audiobook or did you read it? I listened to the audiobook. I loved the audiobook because the narrator is really good. She is. The yeah. book is kind of funny. Like it's tongue in cheek at times. Yeah. And it doesn't take itself too seriously, which I really appreciate in a true crime book. I loved. I think it was the first one, a Jebet. Yes, Batsuri. the Countess. I really appreciated that one because she takes the approach that because we don't a lot of these are very old stories and we don't there's not a ton of information so it's hard to determine what these the motives were for these murders in some cases you can deduce right but this one in particular and some other ones they seem like they were just sociopaths and we often don't hear about female sociopaths because we like again like what she said we don't want to believe that women kill because they think it's fun, right? Like, that's an uncomfortable thing to think about for a lot of people. And that truly was a case where this woman enjoyed... Killing people. Torturing and killing yeah. people. And that's not like a... Like, not that I find stories of torture and murder fun, but I just thought it was interesting because it's something I've never read about before. Yeah. And she handled it really tactfully, and she approached it in a way... That's a person, too, that when people do talk about her, they, like, sexualize her in, a re- in really gross ways. And she talks about, like, why that might be. Yeah, and I found and that super interesting. tries to sort of separate the myth from reality. Yep. Um, I thought there was sort of an interesting class divide where you see some of the killers were killing, like, this countess because they've gone, like, mad with power and no one can stop them. They kill people They're that- totally above the law. Yep. And then you also see people like so down and out that they have like no options mm-hmm. and that's sort of their motivation for killing is yep. they're like, I'm going to kill people for their life insurance. I'm going to kill the children I probably didn't even want to have. Right. I'm going to, you know. Exactly. So that's kind of interesting to me too. My one complaint about the book is I wish it was in more of a chronological order. Yeah, it was bounced around a lot. It does focus on one killer at a time, but I wish it was more in order of, like, when they were born or something. Yeah. Um, You do get different parts of the world, which is interesting. Like, there's one in Egypt, there's one in Morocco, but... I love that. Sort of, like, typically, you don't really get anywhere south of the equator, I don't think. No. But... So you you get the people that are just drunk on power, and they're killing... Basically, people who are no one. They're killing yeah. the serfs in Russia, where basically it was legal to just, you know, if a few, well, you, a few of your servants yeah. died, no one, no one's going to look you, into that. Because they owned them. Yeah. They literally referred to them as souls. Right. So And crazy. then you get the other, you know, you swing all the way to the other end, where these people had no other options in some cases. And it's yeah. really it's, sad, but it's also the stories we don't hear about, because I don't know, right. they're not sexy. You know, it's not Ted Bundy. Which, ugh. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I love that book. Highly recommend it. I, I really enjoyed it. it. And yeah, if you want a true crimey thing, check it out. Yep. I'm recommending a Netflix show Ooh. that is totally the opposite of that. Good. Palette cleanser. I'm recommending a show that Travis and I like weirdly got obsessed with. It is 
Animal Airport on Netflix. <laughs> okay. And it's like, Netflix has a ton of shows right now from the UK, and this is one of them. And I don't know, they're all just really good. This one in particular, I think if you have kids, they would love it. It's very family friendly. It's about the International Airport in the UK that I can't. Heathrow? Heathrow? I think it's Heathrow. Sure. They have a center there called the Animal Reception Center, which is... I am honestly picturing Paddington Bear sitting behind a little desk <laughs> to check in animals as they get off a plane the carrying... The acronym is the ARC. That carrying their own cute. luggage. <laughs> It would be great if it was that. Yeah. You know, it's actual, like, where all of the animals that come in from international flights have to go through. And so it's pets, a lot of pets, but it's also exotic animals. And you see how they handle, like, when a cheetah comes through. And they have to, like... Who's moving cheetahs around? A lot of people are moving exotic animals. They go from zoos to, you know, different zoos for, like, breeding programs. A lot of people collect exotic animals. I don't like that. Especially reptiles. And they go through and they have to, like, check on the animals and make sure that they've made okay. the journey safely and it's really interesting there's you see a ton of exotic animals and how they have to like take care of them when they stop there yeah on their way i don't know i found it super when interesting. they when the lizard pulls out his passport and then <laughs> paddington bear stamps it you know, for what's him what's funny is that the animals do have passports at least pets do they have an animal passport what and there's really strict laws i don't know if ever you know, i don't know what the rules are for can the we United get States. lenny briscoe passport <laughs> If you want to travel internationally with him, you will have if to I get take, him. If I bring him to Canada to get more all-dressed chips. <laughs> I don't, I'm sure it's different from country to country. I don't know what the U.S. requires. but in, I want to get him a little passport. Oh, my God. In the U.K., they have to have a ton of vaccinations. They have to be within a certain time. They have to have, like, these worm treatments within, like, a couple days. They sure. have to have they have to have blood tests for rabies. And like if your animal comes in without these, you, it has to go into quarantine. I don't know. I thought it, it's really interesting. There's only two seasons on Netflix and we like zipped through them all. I don't even know. I was like, we finished the second. Where's more Animal Airport? Pretty much. I think it was two days ago we finished the last episode of season two. And I was just like, wow, why did we watch all that? But it's a really fun show. I think kids, <laughs> kids would really like it too. Yeah. Um, it's it what, sounds adorable. It's what we've been enjoying. We're kind of in a TV lull. Like, there's not a lot on right now. And yeah, I feel the same. So, this, clearly, this is what we're turning to. <laughs> Animal Airport. It's just an uplifting, fun show. Sure. Very wholesome. Yeah. I, re- I recommend it. Do you have anything oh, else for us? Should we plug our shit? I guess. Follow us on all the social media. Well, we, we need to get off so that we can go eat all this Canadian chocolate. Yeah, we do. Because look at it, just sitting there, not eating. Waiting to be eaten. <laughs> Let's do it. So uh, follow us on all the social things at Perhaps It's You. Perhaps It's You. I hope you enjoyed our listener stories episode that from was, last week. I mean, we had a lot of fun. Our so. listeners have some kick-ass stories. They, I'm still creeped out by New Michelle. Honestly, that was creepy. Uh, I don't like it. If, <laughs> if you, you have a similar story about, yeah. you know, new... Robin or something else. New Liz and new Samantha. No! Our host no! podcast. <laughs> no. Uh, that is Perhaps It's You podcast at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of that. We might do another one. Before yeah. We already three. got some more listener stories. So yeah. send them our way. If you want to send us snacks, get in touch. Listen, we'll we will take, take them. We'll take snacks. If you've got an excess snack problem in your home and you go, what am I going to do with all these snacks? I think it's so interesting to see like what other countries have that we don't. I, it's, the, it's the absolute best thing about travel. Yeah, all the snacks you can't have. Yes. If you're in Australia, listen, I'm pretty sure you have these Starburst gummy bears. Gummy worms? Gummy worms. They're gummy worms. I keep saying bears. They're Starburst gummy Samantha's worms. Samantha's obsessed with these worms, you guys. We got a care package. Travis has a friend who lives in Australia, and we got one care package from her, and she included these Starburst gummy worms, and I can't stop thinking about them. They were so good. Someone send Samantha some Why worms, please. This is the thing. I've been dying to ask her to send us more, but it costs so damn much to send yeah, packages from Australia that it's like not even worth it to send gummy worms. They're on. It is on the other side of the world. But they were so damn good. There were blue ones that I can't stop thinking about. I would love some novelty Kit Kats. So yeah. if you've got, yeah, I don't know, some wine Kit Kats lying around, that I oh want them. I could use some of those. Okay. The anyway. show just turns into <laughs> snacks we want. Snack Hour with Liz and Samantha. It's a new segment for season two. <laughs> Where we just watch Unsolved Mysteries. We go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so snacks, soft pretzels. <laughs> 
Starburst gummy worms. This is where we talked a lot about food on this episode. Wow. I mean, I'm surprised this isn't every episode for me, but yeah, this yeah, this actually. particular episode has been very food centric. <laughs> so I'm sure you're all hungry now. You're ready to go eat lunch or something. That's what we're gonna do. Thanks for being awesome. Bye. Go solve some mysteries. <laughs>